Kings Insider Podcast on CSNCalifornia.com. Introducing your host, Sacramento Kings Insider, James Ham. Welcome to the NBC Sports Bay Area Kings Insider Podcast. I am James Ham. Joining me today is one of my favorite guests. I told you we would kick off draft coverage. Uh, every year we start it with Mike Schmitz from Draft Express. Mike, how's it going? Great, man. How are you? I'm good. Uh, we're up early doing this podcast, uh, but we have so much ground to cover. When you have a, a draft that's this good and you have two top 10 picks, how good of a position are the Kings in when you look at the 8 and the 10 as potential spots in this draft? Yeah, I think they're in a good spot. I mean, anytime you have two top 10 picks, that's a plus, um, especially when you're a young team kind of rebuilding. Um, you know, I, I would say it is a little bit top heavy in terms of the guys, you know, at the very top, like Fultz and ball and Jackson and Tatum. But I still think there's quite a bit of value. You can, you can get in that, you know, eight to 10 range. Um, some of the guys down there, whether it's, you know, Jonathan Isaac or, you know, Dennis Smith, who's a talented guard, Lowry Markinen. So there's still a lot of talent to be had. Um, I hate saying, you know, Oh, it's a four, it's a five player draft because to me, you know, you never really know, um, until really a couple of years out. So um, I'm not a huge fan of, of that approach. So I, I think anytime you have two top 10 picks, you're in a good spot. I know I ask you every year, is this an eight-man draft? Is this a 10-man draft? <laughs> right, right, right. No, it's. I mean, I think it's fair to say um, just because, you know, we're a big part of that in terms of ranking these guys, you know, even a year out, the 2018 draft. Um, but I, you know, I think as history shows pretty much every year, you you never really know. There's always a guy who went in the 20s or, you know, who's who's been out producing. And so uh, I, I like the wait and see approach. Yeah. OK, so I'm going to ask you just a random question at first, because uh, for my money, if I'm the Sacramento Kings and I look at this draft and I already have a bunch of young players, I need a star. And I know finding a star at eight or 10 is going to be difficult, but. Is there any chance of packaging eight and ten and moving up into the top four? Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's out of the question. Um, if you're a team who you know isn't maybe isn't in love with one of those top guys, um, and you want a little bit of flexibility, or, or there's a guy that you know maybe you're a little bit higher on um, that you think you can slide down to get. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think we see you know, deals, not maybe not exactly like that, but, um, you know, somewhat similar, uh, every year, every other year. So, uh, I, I don't think it's out of the question at all. Okay. So you, you mentioned the top four and the top four are really good. Um, and you and I sat next to each other watching UCLA play at the tournament in Sacramento and we got a front row seat for Alonzo ball. When you look at Fultz versus ball, is this really uh, like a, a superstar scoring guard that can do a lot of things versus a a floor general type of type of matchup here? I mean, when you're making this decision, because both of these guys are so incredibly talented, but man, Ball just has that that I don't know, je ne sais quoi 
Uh, he has that, <laughs> you know, he has that quality that you you watch him play and you're just in awe of how he directs traffic. But Fultz, even though you haven't got to see a lot of him because they didn't go very far this year, um, you know, he he's so incredibly explosive and talented. Yeah, um, I think Ball definitely has that it factor about him. Just when he gets going in the break and he's moving the ball, he really makes things go. He's a special player. Um, to me, I think, you know, about Markel, like what, what maybe a lot of people didn't see, just, you know, obviously they didn't see a ton of him given the fact that he was at Washington, but he's a tremendous passer. And I think it's almost fair to say that he's actually – um, you know, on the same level, if not better, as a pick and roll passer um, than Lonzo. To me, Lonzo is more grab it and go, move the ball. You know, he he makes the simple play, whereas like he's not a guy who in pick and roll is gonna you know like drag out the big or, or keep the guard on his back and and hit you know the the shooter circling up. Like that's not really his style. He's more open court, fast break guy, move the ball instantly, make the simple pass. Um, whereas Markel is really, really talented in ball screens. And as you know, as we've seen, the NBA is so much about that. Um, you know, late clock, how can you create a, create a shot out of pick and roll for yourself and for others? And I think that's what separates Markel, um, in addition, you know, to the physicality and the length and the athleticism. Um, so to me, Markel is, is the top guy. It's not really a 1A, 1B for me. But again, like you said, Lonzo is a, a special player. Yeah, and it seems like this is the top 10 of this draft. It's so point guard and small forward heavy, which is exactly what the Sacramento Kings need. I mean, you've got those two guys at the top, but then you come with the next two, which are small forwards. Out of the top 10, well, we have Monk and you have Marketing are the only non-point guard or small forward prospects. So you've got sort of four of each, right? How how good can this this top 10 be when you look at you know, guys like De'Aaron Fox, as far as the point guards, how good can these point guards be? I think really good. Um, I love De'Aaron. I think De'Aaron is kind of the forgotten guy in this draft in a lot of ways. Um, I think there's, you know, it's not out of the question that De'Aaron ends up being a better NBA player than Lonzo Ball, I think. Um, It's not out of the question that he becomes a better player than Jason Tatum and Josh Jackson. Uh, Just because, He's so electric, and he he's really competitive defensively. He's going to be a two-way guy. Um, he's quick twitch. He can play above the rim. Uh, and I think he's going to be able to make enough shots. He, he wasn't a great shooter this year, but I think he's going to be able to make enough shots, especially in those mid-range spots, you know, coming out of ball screens, and that kind of sets up the rest of his game. And then, you know, Dennis Smith, I mean, he has a lot of star power. He struggled um, at NC State. The situation wasn't great. Um, you know, his mentality and defensive effort, I think, can really improve. But again, he has a lot of star power in terms of his explosiveness, his physicality, his ability to score at all three levels. So, you know, no- nothing is ever set in stone. And I think, um, you know, Dennis and De'Aaron are guys who could have really, really good pro careers. Now, there are some red flags with Dennis Smith. Yes. I mean, the ACL is one thing. But when you're doing these videos, how hard is it to go through and do the uh, – you got all – the positives of somebody but then you do the weakness videos as well and you're looking at an 18 19 year old kid and you kind of have to put it all out there and i i mean i saw the defensive effort we've heard the murmurs about issues at nc state um how big are the red flags with him for you um i think they're they're pretty real you know just in terms of there wasn't a whole lot of cohesion there at nc state and i think 
he's not the only guy to point the finger at there. You know, the, um, I think, um, there, there are multiple guys who maybe didn't get along and, and the team wasn't winning. Um, and you know, in this one and done era, it's a lot about, okay, let me get through this year and, and then let me go to the league. This is kind of my pit stop and I'm going to do what I have to do to get my numbers and then let's move on from there. So, you know, Dennis Smith isn't the only guy who's kind of went in with that mentality. And I don't think he's a bad kid by any means. You know, I think he I think he works. I think he cares about being good. Um, so, you know, he, he's a guy who's going to look better with NBA space, with NBA talent around him. Um, but, you know, there are questions for sure about the defensive effort, about is he a guy who's looking for his own rather than impacting winning? Um, that's the biggest thing for me. Like, is Dennis Smith going to be a guy who puts up numbers on a losing team or is he going to be a guy who consistently makes others better who's willing to defend and who's willing to do what it takes to win games that's a very tough thing to quantify you just you just never know um and then you know i guess the the last point guard that's going to be in this group is frank tilakina i think i'm saying that right i'm not quite sure but uh what are your thoughts on him clearly he's a huge huge point guard with an incredible incredible wingspan um but is he just really far away i don't think he's that far away because um with him like he he has a tremendous approach like he's a pro he's he's got a pro mentality um he's you know i went out and saw him play uh against megalex in serbia this year and he was the first one on the court um, like going through his, you know, shooting routine at like as a total pro, um, then realizing, okay, I'm the young guy. Let me rebound for these vets. Um, like he, he just gets it and he really defends. And I think that's, what's going to help him get on the floor early is defending multiple positions, you know, being really active. Um, he's not a guy who's going to go, you know, look for his own and almost to a fault at times. Um, so I think he'll be able to play, a role you know at a young age just in terms of being a defensive guy who moves the ball and makes the right play um in terms of running a team um in terms of you know making shots and creating offense consistently uh at an nba level you know with the lights on i think he's going to take a little bit of time but as a guy who's a versatile defender who's going to make the right play and, and has a little bit of upside uh, moving forward he's he's an interesting prospect for sure okay so four guards all in the top 10 11 picks four point guards um the kings clearly need to land a point guard if you're sitting in number eight and both dennis smith and frank tilakina are on the board which one do you take i'm gonna take dennis smith um i just think there's too much star power there you know I, he there are questions and you know situ- situation is important for him but for frank i kind of see him more as like a utility guard uh defensive you know kind of like um maybe like what delon wright is developing into with you know but he's younger and a little bit more upside in terms of you know a guy with a nice feel who maybe isn't going to score a ton in the half court consistently but is going to make a lot of the right simple plays he's going to defend whereas dennis like put him in a ball screen in the nba with talent around him and i think he's going to be really really tough to guard so it's hard to pass on a guy with dennis smith's upside i think Okay, so after we pass the top two uh, uh, small forwards, which I mean, of course, the Kings would love to have uh, would love to have Jackson. They would love to have uh, Jason Tatum out of Duke. 
Um, but the chance of either of those guys sliding to number eight is virtually impossible just by doing the, you know, matching up and looking who's in between them and, uh, and, you know, the top and number eight, number 10, um, after those two guys, what do you see? I mean, we've got guys like, like Jonathan Isaac, we've got guys, uh, like Justin Jackson. Is there value here in the top 10 that, for star potential down the road or is you kind of know who these guys are? Yeah, I think you kind of know who uh, they are in a lot of ways. Um, I think Jonathan Isaac is, is going to end up being more of a four to me, especially in the modern, you know, NBA with, with the spacing and the the guys you're seeing, you know, even playing the five and second units. Um, I, I just think that's where he's going to be best. He needs to get a little bit stronger, but um, to me, he's more of like a stretch four who can play off of closeouts, um, and defend multiple positions. His whole deal, in my perspective, is he has some offensive upside. Um, he's going to defend really one through four, especially once he gets stronger. But he kind of has more of a role player mentality. Um, he he had some moments where you know partially it was because of the personnel on his team, but he was kind of willing to to fade in the background and and not really be much of an offensive option. So I'm not sure he's ever going to be like a first, second or maybe even third option offensively. Um, but he's he's certainly a very interesting player. Justin Jackson, uh, kind of similar and probably a bench score, uh, could maybe work his way in, into a starter just because he's got some positional size and can shoot it in, in different ways and can pass. I like him. And the OG Ananobi, I think, is, is an interesting uh, combo forward type of guy. Um, built like a house, got a 7'6 wingspan, um, going to defend one through four, can theoretically make a shot. So I see a lot more of like role type of guys than I do uh, star power. Okay, so again, you like Anobi. Uh, is there is there upside there? I, I mean, to me, I mean, we see a lot of these guys coming to the league. The uh, uh, Solomon Hills, the, I don't know, there are a lot of guys that are around, you know, long wingspan, thick bodied guys that you basically bring in to defend LeBron, you know, guys you hope that can stay in front and won't get out muscled. Is, is that the style of player that you see from him? Yeah. I, um, but I think, you know, there really aren't a lot of guys. I mean, there are guys like sure, like, you know, PJ Tucker, or, you know, uh, James Johnson or guys that, you know, you want to be that these tough mentality guys who are strong and physical, um, but none of them have a seven, six wingspan. And like, th- I mean, this kid is legitimately six, eight, two forty, and he still has room to grow. You know what I mean? So it- it's hard to, hard to find guys with his elite physical tools and he can switch every ball screen. He plays really hard. Um, he's just not all that skilled offensively. He wasn't like a top 200 guy even at a high school. He was a total diamond in the rough find by Tom Crean and he's not even 20 years old. So I think there is some untapped potential there. Um, but, you know, he had a knee injury that ended his, you know, season this last year. Um, he's not that all that polished offensively. But I think he has a little bit um, more room for growth than, you know, some of those guys we, we talked about. Okay, so I was looking at the draft last night, and to me it's shocking that almost every single player in in the top 20 is either a young international player or a freshman. You have so few players that are that are even sophomores. Uh, you know, I think the one junior out of your guys' top thirty is is uh, Justin Jackson. Um, is it just surprising to you how the one and done isn't just like 
part of the the draft it's pretty much the entirety of the top 15 yeah i think it's just kind of the era that we're in you know what i mean guys when they're ready to go you know they want to go and uh i I, w- I mean i was surprised to see you know even guys like miles bridges and and robert williams go back to school just because they were potential top 10 guys so i think it's just kind of how things have evolved um with the one and done rule but you still have a couple guys here and there, um, Buddy Heald, obviously, which you guys have. That's you know a very um, interesting story and in, in how he developed. You know, Chris Dunn. Part of that was injury related, but you, you definitely don't see a lot of that. Uh, most of the guys who are upperclassmen end up in the second round or or in the late twenties. But it doesn't necessarily mean that these guys can't play. You know, look at Malcolm Brogdon. He's he's a real example of a guy who was there for a long time and, and developed and went lower than he should. And now he's a rookie of the year candidate. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So the Kings have so many holes to fill. It's ridiculous. If you're, <laughs> if you're at eight and 10, I mean, at this point they have no point guard uh, outside of Langston Galloway on the roster. They've got a bunch of twos, especially if they get Bogdanovich to come over. They have n- no small forward on the, on the roster heading into next season. Their power forward is, you know, 19 years, uh, 21 years old, but, you know, one year of college in, in Scalabis here. Uh, and then you might have Anthony Taller behind him. We're not even sure about that. So the Kings are so young. Is there a player at eight and 10 that you look at and say, you know what, if I'm there, this is, you know, positions be damned. I'm going to go with this guy because I think he has so much upside that I think I might be able to steal, uh, find myself the next, you know, Giannis or the next Kawhi or the next whoever you found, Draymond Green in the late, you know, later in the draft. Uh, I think Isaac is really interesting for them, um, especially, you know, next to Scal. I, that's a very thin front line, but if you're talking long term, I think if you play Scal at the five and Isaac at the four, you know, then you have a spaced floor. Um, you have defensive versatility, you have athleticism, which, you know, we've all seen that the NBA is trending in a lot of ways. Um, so I, I think Isaac is a really interesting option for them. Uh, Zach Collins as well is a guy who's risen, uh, not risen, but I mean, really helped himself throughout the tournament, helped himself throughout the year. Um, and he's kind of a stretch five, you know, athlete with a nice frame type of guy who I think you could pair with, with Scal as well. So those two for me are interesting. And then if you're talking about a point guard, uh, obviously you'd want to go Fox if, if you could, in my opinion, uh, Monk is a dynamic score. I think he's more of a two, but I, I think Dennis Smith is, is still really interesting, uh, for a team like Sacramento, just because you're looking for talent. Uh, you know, you want to hit singles, you want to hit doubles, but he's a guy who could, you know, potentially uh, be more than that. So, you know, th- those three, four guys, I think, make some sense. Okay, um, we we definitely, I, I I like to find diamond in the rough in the early second round, and the Kings have the Philadelphia 76ers pick. If you're looking for for me in that position, if you're in the second round. I want a brawler, and I don't care if he's a point guard. I don't care if he's a small forward. You know, if you can get yourself a three and D type guy, or if he's a you know a low post guy that just comes in. Um, who is it that you like in the early second round that sort of is a gritty player, someone who can really bring it on a nightly basis and, and adds that intangible that the Kings might be lacking at this time? Yeah, there are a couple guys that I like. Um, 
One main one from from Kansas State is uh, Wes Iwundu, um, four year guy, you know, young senior. Um, believe, believe Nigerian parents, uh, six, seven with a seven foot wingspan really played the one, um, for, for Kansas state. He defends multiple positions. Um, he can, he can really pass. And that, that's where I think he's interesting is, especially for Sacramento is as kind of like a big point guard prospect, um, doesn't shoot it great. He was really a non-shooter, um, for the majority of his career, but this last year, kind of stepped it up in that regard and changed his mechanics. So he's a guy who I would take a swing on just because he's going to, you know, get into the ball handler. He's going to defend pick and roll. He's going to defend ones, twos, uh, play with a lot of activities, a tough kid. So, so he's a guy I really like. Um, Shemi Ojale from, from SMU. I, I believe we're still waiting to hear, you know, if, if he's going to sign or, or what he's going to do long term. But he's a guy that I really like. Um, he's built like a house, six, seven, six, eight, 235 pounds can shoot the three. I think we'll be able to defend wings, but very interesting as kind of that small ball four type, uh, who has the physicality to play an NBA game right now. Um, so, so those are a couple of the guys that, that I really like in the thirties. And then one last guy is an overseas guy, who I think is going to carve out a niche, um, in the NBA, maybe kind of similar to a, to a Tarek black, uh, but probably has a little bit more offensive game is Matthias Lasor. Uh, he's a French guy um, who has been playing over there with, with Nanterre and he, he just plays really, really hard a um, little bit undersized, but athletic kid. So I, I like him as well. Okay. Every year there's someone who, who skies up the draft board out of nowhere in the, you know, maybe three weeks before the, uh, the actual draft goes, it happens. And, is there anyone that you see is going to just someone's going to catch fire and move right into the top 10 and, and start getting mentioned even, you know, number six, number seven? Uh, or is this pretty solid, this this group of probably 11 players in the top, you know, that are set? Um, no one maybe who's going to fly into that six or seven range. Uh, I like the kid E.K. Onigbogu from from UCLA. I think he's got a chance to be kind of a late lottery type of guy. He's 7'5", wingspan, 250 pounds, plays really, really hard. Only played about 12, 13 minutes a game at UCLA. But I think he's a guy who's going to look really good in workouts. Um, trying to think of some other guys who might rise. Terrence Ferguson, I think, is a guy who you know teams might really like throughout the workout process. He was over in Australia playing for Adelaide. Um, but you, I mean, you see how rare it is to find these six, seven guys with, you know, a six ten wingspan who can shoot and defend. I think he kind of fits that role also. Um, he's a freak athlete in a, in a workout setting. So I think that might help him as well. Um, so those, those are a couple guys I can see kind of rising a little bit. Okay. Uh, you know what? We covered a lot of ground. Um, I think the one thing that I, I'm really looking forward to uh, is whether the Kings, are active with their eight and their 10. They've got, they've got expiring contracts that might be appealing to somebody. Uh, they may, they have so much cap space. They may take on a big contract to move up in this draft, but I, I guess I, we'll finish with this. Um, the early results was this is going to be one of the better drafts since 2003. Uh, how do you rate this draft? How do you, do you think that this is a, a draft that maybe fills up the NBA with some young superstars that, that can really you know, bring the league forward? Or is this just another everyday average draft for you? 
Um, I think, like you know, like I said, it's kind of a wait and see for me. Um, I never want to say, oh, you know, this is the best draft since '99 or you know whatever. Um, but I do think that you have a lot of guys who can, especially for their age, can come and impact the game. You know, with at the top, Fultz, Ball, Jackson, Tatum, uh, Fox. I think those are all NBA starters um, who can come in and and have an impact. I think Fultz is a superstar in the making. Um, I think you know Lonzo Ball in his own right is uh, is the same. Um, and then you have guys who are going to have an impact for sure, like you know, Lowry Markinen. He's going to come in and, and make shots from the get-go. He's seven feet tall. That's what he does. Um, Justin Jackson is going to come in and make shots. So I, I think it's a fairly deep draft. I think it would have been a better draft if you had a guy like Robert Williams, who to me was a potential top five pick if he stayed in, a guy like Miles Bridges, who was a potential top 10 pick if he stayed in. So I think it it thinned out a little bit in that regard. Um, but there's a lot of talent to be had. And uh, I think the top is is really fun just in these young guys who have a chance to be stars. Okay, I'm going to finish with this. One more. One more. Let's do it. Uh, it sure does look like the Sacramento Kings aren't going to be very good this year. Um, they're, they're going really, really young. And that means that next year's draft is going to be they're they're going to be in a better position most likely. They'll chances are they'll be a top five pick next year. How good is next year's draft? Really good, really good. Um, I like Luka Doncic. I think he's you know really really interesting um, European prospect. Just that we haven't really seen a whole lot of um, just in terms of like a six seven six eight guy who's been producing at a really really high level over in Europe at really in the EuroLeague for Real Madrid. Um, so he, he's super interesting to me. Um, and then I, I, you know, I really like, uh, like I said, Robert Williams, I think he's got a chance to be kind of like a mini, you know, Deandre Jordan type with some more offensive upside. Um, I, like I said, I was really shocked that, that he came back. So, uh, he, he's a guy who's interesting. And then you have, um, a lot of intriguing guys at the top as well, you know, with, a a Mo Bamba, who's got a seven nine wingspan, is really a tantalizing uh, talent in terms of physical tools and and IQ. Um, DeAndre Ayton, who's could you know looks like an NBA player right now, could step in and, and make an impact. Um, so I, I really like that class. I think everyone t- was always talking about, oh, the 2016 high school class is so amazing, and which is definitely true. Um, but I think the 2017 class is not that far behind. So uh, I, I'm excited to see how these guys play next year, and um, I think it'll be you know another another fun year. All right, the incomparable Mike Schmitz of DraftExpress.com. Thanks so much for joining us. Like every year, I, we may even touch base with you between now and. And the draft just depends on uh, where the Kings land in the lottery. Who knows? Maybe somehow they get lucky and, and move into that top area, and we can you know have a conversation about whether you would risk taking a Kansas player in the top three. <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me. <laughs>